0: Clear. You're going to be hearing a little bit of background noise throughout the day, but it's just airplanes, so it's not not
1: really noise. good background noise. Yeah, this is is the best seat in the house. We got Skyriders now. We got Skyriders now. We got Skyriders now. Does that
0: say UCAP? I can't. It's got a runway sk- in the front yard! <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you are in sight. Cleveland. land.
2: national
1: ground. Good afternoon, sir. Taxer via shot and Delta.
2: At uncontrolled airspace in the virtual hangar, the pilots were chatting. But then, heard a bang, or a noise of some kind. "'From behind the tool shelf, "'twas a man dressed in red, a quite jolly old elf. "'He opened his pack, and he flashed them a look, "'and he rummaged around, and he pulled out a book. "'The pilots all hoped there was something for them. "'They begged, "'Santa, look in your pack once again. "'Did you bring me a gadget? An Avgas container?' "'He said, "'No, you've been bad. I've brought just the disclaimer.' But Santa Claus smiled as he read to them there, his message of wisdom and safety and care. The UCAP members, those wise old flyers, are speaking their very own thoughts and desires. The folks whom they work with might not feel the same, and that is all right. No one is to blame. The stories they tell and advice, while terrific, you take them as general and never specific. When you're in your plane and pilot in command, keep all of your training right there close at hand. Assess your own situation that day, and fly your own airplane, just like my sleigh. And they heard him exclaim as he flew out of sight, But you knew that already, so have a good flight. (laughs) Ho, 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 ho. So, these
0: guys have a... So, I I guess I'm getting into the... Every week, there's another radio control story. I just realized that. That's kind of a funny coincidence. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there is another radio control story, all right? There are these guys down in New York City uh, who attached a, uh, a video camera to their radio-controlled uh, aircraft. In this case, not a helicopter, but a fixed-wing RC plane. And took off from a park, apparently next to the Brooklyn Bridge or something like that. Some park along the river. And went flying around some places. You've seen this, right? Have you seen the video? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. It's, it's very cool.
0: It's very cool video. All right. That part of it. In, and the technology is very cool. And the shots are very cool. And I'm watching this going, how are these guys not arrested instantaneously? I just don't understand why the security apparatus didn't lose its mind at this.
1: Well, put, put aside the security aspects of it. Um, just the safety aspects of of this projectile. Zooming around to yeah. between buildings uh over you know. I, I I'm all in favor of this. Don't mm-hmm. misunderstand. But the the, the um uh, the world in which we live would not seem to want to allow this kind of thing.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and there is a little bit of a safety issue with people on the ground and people, you know. I mean they were like going around; they, they went flying straight at the Statue of Liberty. That's the one I'm watching. This one I'm going. Oh my yeah, you yeah, what twenty
1: twenty feet from from the Statue of Liberty at however many knots. Yeah. Um, again, I'm all in favor of us being able to do this. I'm all in favor of of of. Uh, Mankind, you know, let's get let's get really, you know, maudlin here for a moment. Being able to do things like this for not just for entertainment purposes, but just because we ought to be able to do things like this. Yeah. Now. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm just shocked that we still can do
3: things like. Well, this. And, and and the the folks that did it say they did not clear any of the flights through the authorities beforehand, but they did check local laws and regulations mm-hmm. prior to departure. And looking at the altitude from which some of this shot makes me question whether they checked the fars.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, there's there's some some interesting bird's eye view shots there, but you you, you have to factor in that the lens they were using was a fisheye, and uh,
3: uh, I mean this is I, this is a city where a, a, a bunch of geese brought down an Airbus A320. Right. And so I'm thinking, as you appropriately labeled it, projectile, uh, cruising around the airspace at altitudes high enough to be over the tops of the buildings, is high enough to be in the airways. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's, that's not exactly a low density traffic area. Yeah, I wouldn't be so concerned about, you know, fixed wing.
1: Traffic being Kennedy or anything like that, but a lot of helicopter traffic, a lot of seaplane traffic in that area. Now, to their credit, they said that they did this um, um, in the morning between 7 and 8 a.m., which is an excellent time to be doing this because there's not that much activity. Um, You know, hats off to them for pulling it off. The technology, uh, the videography, uh... the whole thing uh... um, it's i wish we had more stuff like this and i wish we had more you know uh... spirit to do things like this,
0: yeah. Now, in a uh, in a follow up story to this, or in a, uh, a kind of sidebar in the Avweb report, it turns out that the uh, the authorities did tumble to this eventually, and in a in a sort of what I would consider rare example of common sense, um, we're more or less okay. At least according to the RC guys, the RC guys who refer to themselves as Team Black Sheep, all right. And they the this is a closing paragraph to an Avweb story. It says Team Black Sheep spokesperson Trappy told the Daily Mail, which is one of the uh, mainstream media outfits involved here, um, that the the police and TSA eventually figured out where the aircraft was being controlled from and paid a visit. Now you would think it would really go bad from there, wouldn't you? But no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the story your day is over. Yeah, you would think. But the story goes on to say uh, he said uh, this is Trappy, Trappy said uh, they were more curious than confrontational, and in the video they appear to ask him to demonstrate the aircraft. Quote: they Yeah, ask, they want one. Yeah, they asked me. Well, there's a thought, isn't it? Um, they asked me what I was. Doing and I told them I'd land and explain it to them. Uh, this is what Trappy told the newspaper. Um, after we got talking, I showed them how it all works, what I'm doing, and so on. Uh, he said he. Yeah, that, that was in the Aris
3: Technica article too. Yeah, was oh.
0: it? And uh, so, according to this account, um, the uh, the authorities, you know, were onto it, figured out where he was flying from, came by, and no arrests were involved. Which, I mean, I guess maybe that's refreshing in this day and age, huh? You know, well, there's hope. I don't know.
1: I wouldn't. I would say New York has a a more enlightened attitude about things like this than D.C. does.
3: Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, plus, plus, you know, to their credit, none of Team Black Sheep was carrying any nail clippers. Well, this is this is important. They, you know, they might have been wearing bikini
1: underwear, and and, and that's true. It you know, could have been nothing to the imagination. Therefore, you know, there's no need to to uh, come down on them.
3: But there were no, 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 no nail clippers and no liquids over 3.4 ounces, so they were cool.
1: Okay,
0: David. We know, we, we know you're still stinging from that whole encounter, aren't you?
3: <laughs> this. I'm never going to stop beating them up. I know. There's no reason to. No, I, I, I come back
1: to, I will relax my criticism of the TSA the day after I need a background check to rent a rider truck. End of discussion. Right.
3: Ding, ding, ding.
0: ding. ding. Welcome, folks, to episode 216 <laughs> of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. We're he, recording. He uses that for a segue? I don't know. I thought, like, in 16 seconds earlier, we had a laugh, and I was going to go then, but then you guys just kept going, so uh, here we are. We're we're going to go with what we've got. I'm working with with what I have to work with here. Uh, we're recording this episode on Saturday morning, December 11th, 2010, and uh, joining me here in the virtual hangar are two of my good friends. Uh, Jeb Burnside is out there talking
1: to us from somewhere near Sarasota. Florida. How you doing this morning, Jeb? I'm fine, trying to avoid yawning and stretching audibly, but uh, I, I'm, I'm good. It's very foggy here this morning. Yeah, uh,
0: apparently you've had some weather down there. Even I might well,
1: consider it cold. huh? Well, we've, we've had some cold. I mean, I had to turn the heat on, and that's, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are like, you know, throwing stuff at their iPods right now. Um, but um, yeah, it was like uh, mid-30s here a couple of times uh, in the morning earlier this week. It's looking out the window at my thermometer now. It's fifty one outside my home office. At nine thirty uh, in the morning. At nine twenty one in the morning.
3: Yep. And um, time and time, time far, to throw another, another alligator on the fire.
1: <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, um I had four deer out the side yard window uh maybe thirty minutes ago or so. Um and uh it's another, you know uh beautiful day in, in FLA. Uh, but we're not doing any VFR here this morning. That's for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also here in the virtual hangar is Dave Higdon, who's talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. How you doing this morning, David? Doing
3: lovely, just lovely. It's uh, nice blue sky this morning. Uh, if uh, the the lovely lady on the Weather Channel is correct, we're going to get in all the way into the mid fifties today. So lovely day, good VFR, good day to go out and and and, and commit aviation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm Jack Hodgson, and I'm talking to you from the UCAP autumn, soon-to-be winter headquarters, high atop lookout point. In uh, It's also getting cold, but it's beautiful and sunny, Nottingham,
1: for what What's it going to take for autumn to become winter up there, I would think? December 21st, I guess. You know, you're already there. Well, okay, that's too easy. But
0: <laughs> I uh, just got home from a trip. I was gone for five days, and uh, and we've crossed the border. I think we've permanently crossed the line where the lake is frozen now.
3: Um ah.
0: We'd been going back and forth between little bits of crusty ice on top of the, you know, the edges, the shorelines, and uh, now it looks like the entire surface is frozen, and that's usually a sign that it's once it gets there, it stays there. Now, so. yeah,
1: does that lake freeze over to the extent you can like walk on it and play on it
0: and stuff? Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, There's, cool. uh, we'll reach a point where this becomes snowmobile heaven. Excuse me, snow machine heaven. Um, this is a because half of the shoreline of this lake that I live on um, is a state park. Uh, half uh-huh. is private homes and half is a state park, and uh, so the private homes alone have a lot of snowmobile, snow machine activity.
1: Oh, when did snowmobiles become snow machines? I, I was, I didn't get that memo. Yeah,
0: when when Ms. Palin became yeah. an important part of our lives. Apparently. Oh please. Um, so, anyways, the snow machines. So, so what, you're, what you're really I saying
3: were, is that they're still called snow. I snowmobile. thought snow machines made snow. I don't know. I, I hey good 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 question I, I
0: joke about Ms Palin but I do know that a number of friends of mine who are who I respect who are, are are snow recreation enthusiasts also like to call them snow machines so I'm trying out of respect to them
1: to do what they want are, are they do they listen to the podcast uh not sure well there you go okay.
0: Um, there's a lot of that kind of activity here. Actually, you know what's more, uh, more prevalent these days than the, than the so-called snowmobiles is these four wheel RV things, uh, uh-huh. big balloon uh-huh. tire things. Right. Um, there's almost more of those nowadays than there
1: are snowmobiles. And they're uh, pretty ubiquitous down here too. In yeah. various, Yeah, well, I would think snowmobiles
0: would be a little tough to ride down there. So you would tend to skew towards the wheeled vehicles, but
1: yeah, you have to do some mods on the, on the, yeah. on the snow, on the snowmobiles. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So I'm back from my latest trip. Let's see, where was I this time?
1: Oh, I was in uh, Long Island, uh, New York
0: and uh n- New Jersey near just across from New York. And oh, did we lose David? We did. David, are you there? When did we lose you? I'm sorry. I didn't even notice you were gone.
3: <laughs> About a minute ago, I got this weird screen and strange tone and a new Skype screen came up said there's a problem with this call. Please stand by while we try to recover it. Oh my goodness! Huh. We'll see.
0: That's just that's what you get for upgrading to the latest version of Skype. Anyways, uh, let's see now. What was I saying? Oh, I was saying that uh, I was in uh, New Jersey and uh, and uh, Long Island. Um, I, the main reason I mentioned this is that we were talking about the guys where, where they flew these RC airplanes. Actually, we drove right through. I must have driven right over that park because we drove right along the uh, the. Uh, that approach end there of uh, the Brooklyn Bridge, and got some great views of this of the city
3: uh, across the river. And uh, so... Uh, well, that flying on frozen water stuff can be kind of fun.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, flying on frozen water, now I'm prepared to take my... So I, my uh, my uh, AR drone, uh, RC quadracopter finally arrived uh, in shipping, and I've been flying it around here a little bit, and that's kind of fun. And uh, I tell you... Quad- st- so that's like four blades. Four blades. This is the, we talked about this a couple weeks ago yeah. in Las Vegas, and uh, and I've uh, seen pictures. Yeah, and. Uh so I managed to crash. The best crash I've had so far. It was very impressive, actually. Because <laughs> uh, I was flying it. Uh, my brother was over here, and we were flying it. And we wanted to see how high in the air we could get it to go. So we, we just went up, 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 up. And and apparently I got so far up that I started to lose radio contact or something. And so it started to drift sideways. And uh, it drifted into some trees. And uh, and at first it kind of bumped off the uh, branches. Uh, but then it a branch got into the blades all right and apparently what happens is when the blades get a sudden stop because the moment the blades hit something all four blades stopped all right it just went into shutdown and it obviously fell from a notable height 30 40 feet and fortunately there were other branches cushioning its descent um, and I'm just most I'm watching thing coming down thinking please keep coming down don't get snagged in a branch keep falling, fall 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 you know my brother's watching going oh my god he's gonna crash it's gonna be broken and I'm going keep falling keep falling and it did made it all the way to the ground and no harm done Um the little cover fell off and we put it all back together and flew
3: so it again Jack Hodgson RC pilot yeah that's right that's America. right is it,
1: so it really happened? crashing i have to get a video camera and send you to some metropolitan area. Uh,
3: Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm going to have to learn how to fly it a little bit better. than than Jack, do do you know any bail bondsmen in the D.C. area?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: right. right. You know, it's funny. I don't know. A year or so ago, some of my neighbors were playing with uh, an RC airplane. Um, And... um, Flew it into, you know, young kid, you know, uh, maybe a second time with it, managed to fly it into a tree. Yeah. I, I, they enlisted my help to come, you know, you know, helped them get it out of the tree. We could not find the airplane. Uh-huh. It was, it was battery-powered, electric motor, all that kind of thing. And it was in the tree. We, we could hear it. We could hit the, you know, the thing on the, on the oh, controller and, yeah. and make it buzz and make it do stuff. We could not see it. As far as I know, they never did find it.
0: You couldn't see it because you think it was just so high up in the tree you think or well
1: yeah, I don't know what it was the, the way that, the way it got into the tree the the, the structure of the tree um, we could not see this thing it was white against a, a dark green tree uh, I don't know it's, uh-huh. it's like I kept joking I so said you put a microphone up there and you're jerk you're jerking my chain <laughs> yeah I know it, this right yeah <laughs> there's no there's no airplane in this tree yeah but uh, I don't I never did find it.
0: Well, far, similarly, far one, one of my, my other brother um, and his son like to shoot off model rockets, and occasionally they'll lose one of those into the trees, and it's amazing how hard it is to find them. I mean, yeah. it's just the you know it doesn't take very much. Even the ones that are brightly colored, it's hard to hard to locate them. So, uh, well, we but, we also we also test missiles down here. Yes, I understand. That's part of the part of the uh, offering. Uh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So, all right, what's going on in the aviation world? All right, this one's kind of interesting. <laughs> so. Um, it turns out that the FAA has lost track of the registrations of some large number of uh, American airplanes. Right? Oh, oh.
3: my, that's shocking! Yeah, I know. The horror, the the horror! The horror! What, what are we gonna do? The, ah, the, ah. The, uh, that's
1: a very misleading. And, and you're, you're keying on the um, the. Uh, there was an article, uh, AP or New York Times or something like that, here late last week uh, about some of this and. And, uh, FAA has not lost the registrations, okay? <laughs> uh-huh. the re- The registrations are there. The way, heretofore, the way FAA registration has worked, you buy an airplane, you, you, you put an airplane into service, you register it. You, you, in number, serial number, uh, manufacturer name, uh, name and address of the owner, um, you carry this piece of cardboard with you. And, okay, now... Heretofore that's been an, uh, a reg- the registration has been a one time thing in perpetuity as long as your address doesn't change, as long as you don't sell the airplane or the aircraft, I should say, uh, the FAA has been good with that. Uh huh. Um, external forces, shall we say, uh, uh, we could also call them the forces of darkness, uh, have determined over time that um, there is a problem. With the FAA's registration, because of the the one-time nature of it, there is no way FAA or anyone else to determine if a specific airplane uh, is in use, or or where that specific airplane might be in use. Um, which to which I say, you know, tough nuggies. But um, the, the FOD, the forces of darkness, have decided that the FAA must. Um, do something, and I put the words do something in quotes to clean up its its registration database so the FAA has and I don't really don't have a huge problem with with this either the FAA has in its infinite wisdom decided it will it will establish a rotating a rolling uh, um, um, expiration date for registrations starting in in twenty eleven um basically if you own an aircraft uh and depending on when it was registered um it w- its registration will expire to continue to operate the airplane you must re-register the airplane with the FAA nominal fee for this and uh it will be a recurring thing every 3 years i think now from now on you'll have to re-register the aircraft mm-hmm. uh i'm i'm kind of in big whoop mode about all of this mm-hmm. um, but the problem as I see it, is the justification. There was this this story floated yesterday, the day before, um, um, about how uh, the FAA has lost all of these airplanes, and oh my God, you know, there, there's terrorists going to fly these things, right. yeah, and and we're all going to die. And um, again, it's all blowing snow. Um, nothing in this prevents anyone who wants to use an airplane. For shall we say less than legal purposes, whether they are uh, uh, just you know buzzing Manhattan with a video camera or uh, something else, nothing prevents them from doing that now. Uh, the, the, nothing in this registration change will prevent them from doing that in the future.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This is more more authoritarian blowing snow. Um, we've got to save us save ourselves from the um, I don't know what.
0: Well in, though if end of
1: rant in the
0: rant. Well yeah and and I kind of that's basically what's going to be my rant too. Um although do you think that um the kings would have been arrested if the
3: database was up to date? Yeah. Actually actually now that that's one of the that's one of the little niggling errors that's crept into this. Uh-huh. That's right. Okay, the, the 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 registration of the king's airplane, the, the Cessna 172 in which they were stopped. Was up to date on the FAA registry. Mm-hmm. It was not up to date on a security database, right? Which is an entirely a different thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, it's totally unrelated to the this re-registration thing. Is partly a continuation of what do they call it? Uh, efforts to harmonize what the United States does with what uh, ICAO uh, is blessed in other countries are doing. Uh, and ownership has become one of those things in the transaction of airplanes the movement of airplanes has become a big thing uh particularly in in Africa and the Middle East where people are stealing big things to carry things other than drugs that are even more dangerous like weapons and smuggling them into countries and so forth so that's that's what that's what started this ball rolling right. uh so the re- red, re-registration thing is a step on that path that was anticipated when the United States decided, to, when the F, excuse me, the FAA decided to sign on to harmonizing with international standards on registration and ownership records, uh, and this has all sorts of of, of, of little subterranean issues that uh, are real and not like this bogus. Oh, it could help the terrorists. Buy an airplane. Well, crap, a terrorist can buy an airplane now. I mean, it, there, there's not a checklist on the forum that uh, when you go to buy an airplane, it says, uh, are you now or have you ever been or do you ever plan to be blah, blah, blah. And they'd lie anyway. But, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> that's that's the think? whole thing about it. You think? That's the yeah, whole thing but, about it. This does nothing. Got, yeah. All these airplanes on financial paperwork. Yeah. their registrations key to loans uh, the aircraft finance community is really kind of a on this because a lot of these airplanes are bought by leasing firms and then leased out to operators and those lease terms last longer than three years and there's the loan the airplanes that are secured, securing loans directly uh... for their owners and that complicates the paperwork there Uh, You know, for folks like Jeb and me and Jack, who you know may own a GA airplane, this is a relatively simple, straightforward thing, and I'm kind of with Jeb on it. I'm not real tied up in knots over it. But for the larger airplanes, the more sophisticated, more expensive airplanes that are used in big financial traction uh, uh, transactions to secure loan portfolios, to uh, operate leasing companies uh... you know they may be held the paperwork may be held by somebody here in the united states but it's leased to somebody overseas and registered there and the ownership and oh my god this is going to get crazy for some of those folks and it's going to be way more complicated than the twenty two dollars worth of re-registration fee they got to send in every okay.
1: three. and going back to the 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 john and martha king thing as i recall that aircraft was leased from cessna Yeah. So, you know, we don't know how the registration was made out. It was probably made out in the name of Cessna Aircraft Company. But but one of y'all pointed out the exact uh, situation there is this, this third-party law enforcement agency, DEA or or state police or, or whoever it was, their data right. was not up to um, whether that in number um, – was correctly applied to a currently registered aircraft. Their information said it belonged to a stolen an aircraft stolen, you know, years earlier.
3: A oh, uh, oh, Cessna 150, yeah, uh, 72 right. yeah. bears a small resemblance. Yeah. Not even the same type of airplane. Okay, they're, they're both got three wheels, and and, and, a, and that's that's engine. more confusing than some officials are going to be able to handle right there off the top. Yeah. Okay. They both have three wheels and a wing on top. And oh my God! Well, they're all suspect then. But it was a great training exercise. That's right. That's right. That's what it was. A- absolutely. Well, that's why they brought their training wheels. <laughs> Moving
0: on. Um, in another bit of well, I-, I consider it foolishness. Maybe I should take it more seriously. Jeb, you and I were chatting about this last night a little bit. Um, this outfit uh, from Oregon has managed to get themselves a patent on online flight planning,
3: and are now starting to enforce it um, with Boy, some, fa- there's some- something fishy about this
0: well you know and and i kind of discount well i don't know in my head i filter these out because we i hear these stories all the time in technology that someone's got a you know what i consider to be a bogus patent on something that shouldn't be patentable or um you know something that's been around for a much longer time than they have and try to enforce it and these things happen and no question it's a pain in the neck and and causes problems but there's so many of them that i i just don't even pay attention right Right, And so, so now we, I see one of these in aviation, and at first I kind of go, oh, another one of those, here we go. But, uh, you know, you were telling me last night about the, the, uh, at least one effect of this that's uh, pretty serious. What, what's, so first of all, Jeb, uh, tell me what you know, because you were telling me a little bit about this last okay. night. What you all know right. about
1: the nature of this
0: patent and this outfit.
1: Okay. Um, a company called Flight Prep, which um, has uh, an online um, flight planning uh, website. Uh, applied for and just recently received a US patent on the technology slash process of online flight planning. Uh, Now before um, our listeners start reaching for their their, um, suicide pins um, no. Uh, The the patent applies to online flight planning where uh, it's basically uh, server intensive in other words, the calculations and charts are served from the server and, dis- and, and displayed on the client. There is little to no calculation done on the the client computer. Um, now, keep that in mind here. Um, flight prep for whatever reason, and we can debate you know the reasonableness and the the sanity of the U.S. Patent Office. Um, probably the rest of this particular hour. Um, but they they managed to get this patent. And if you if you or I had a patent that that uh, um, we thought might be infringed upon, we, we would have probably try to enforce it. Um, earlier this week, AdWeb ran the story. Um, flight Prep apparently is going out and, and reaching out to various flight planning websites around the the web, um, saying, "Hey, you know, sorry to interrupt your day, guys, but we got this patent, and it appears you're infringing upon it." Um we need to work something out. And one of the uh, sites to which they reached out was runwayfinder.com, which is a fairly popular uh, site. Now, yesterday, um, the, um, let me pull this link back up. Um, the uh, I guess, um, you know, the founder of runwayfinder.com, Dave Parsons, posted uh, a uh, blog, put up a blog post, actually this was on Thursday, put up a blog post saying um, that Runwayfinder.com was going to go dark as of uh, noon Pacific time on Friday, December 10. Um, According to this particular blog post, Prep uh, was claiming damages of $3.2 million per month by the, the um, uh, this supposed patent violation. Um, skip forward to uh, last night, yesterday afternoon, this morning. There's, another, uh, there's an update to this blog post, oh, which, yeah. uh, which okay, says, yep. a, pre- a preliminary verbal agreement has been reached. Assuming we can work out the details over the next few days, Runway Finder will remain online. Um, I will update this post as things progress. So what that tells me is that uh, you know some cooler heads have prevailed here, either at flight prep and/or at runway finder, uh, and that site will remain up. I would presume that bodes well for other sites that that uh, runway finder finds uh, potentially in violation of its patent, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't know how I feel about all this. Um, I, there are a number of very popular website that potentially are impacted by this situation. Yeah. Uh I would think among them is AOPA's current Absolutely. iteration of its flight planner. Yeah. Uh again, this is a situation where <clears throat> uh no charts reside on the client machine, but via the web and via a browser or or maybe a, another application um these charts are and in course lines and cal- calculations, et etc, are computed on the on the server and transmitted down to the client and then displayed um that's distinct and different from uh standalone packages that might go out and get say current Win's loft data and then download that data and perform the calculations on a personal computer on a an ipad on on something else. In a client situation, uh, so I don't know where all this is going to head. Optimistically, uh, flight prep will uh, um, uh, um, figure out some some way to coexist.
0: Yeah, pretty crazy, David. Do it, you is, it is. It is pretty this? crazy. What's that, Jack? Do you have any uh, uh,
3: other information about this whole situation that you can add? It's just that. Well, I. I talked to a friend of mine who's been through the patent process when this came up. It kind of flashed me back to when he acquired a patent for a reduction drive on a lightweight engine installed on an ultralight flying machine. Oh yeah. Now okay. that was a very specific patent. Yep. He acquired the patent uh very clean with a lot less effort apparently than the uh than the uh, uh folks uh... the flight prep folks uh... uh... encountered in their efforts to acquire their patent claim uh... and then the guy turned around and said you know this is uh... this is uh... uh for the good of the community this is what ultralight aviation needs uh... i'm not going to enforce the patent everybody use it please yeah yeah, yeah. and everybody did and yeah. it was good and it benefited and. And uh, a lot of old farts like me remember uh, Chuck's Lasarchik, uh, our Chuck S, even more fondly for that than for his old muzzleloader, and and right. that's saying something. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the uh, the, yeah, uh, the 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 nature of this has got in reading some of the history in the last couple of days, the nature of this makes me suspect that. That the folks at the patent office may not have all been on the same page at the same time when this got approved.
0: Well, th- yeah. that's a that's yeah. an old story. That's
1: happening every week.
0: Well, it, it gets
3: better than that because, um, and I haven't.
1: I've got a copy of the patent here on my machine, but I haven't. I haven't really dived into it. But in reading some of the uh, um, online commentary from from others who are a who a have read this and b. <coughs> have some, <clears throat> some experience in, in patent law. Um, it appears that um, uh, Flight Prep applied for this patent in like '05. were initially denied, and there's a long legal trail leading to some of this. Plus, it somehow got backdated into 2001, uh, the application, I should say. And um, the whole thing is, is uh, I won't say fishy, the whole thing is just a head scratcher and it's kind of emblematic of uh, what's, what some people, especially in recent years, have decried as as kind of a, a broken U.S. patent office. Yeah, I, we're, not a, we're not a U.S. patent office
3: podcast, so I don't have any opinion on that. Yeah, we've, uh, we've had examples where uh, companies uh, tried to patent DNA information uh-huh. as if they invented it. Right uh now they may have discovered it. They may have some some claim to it in the scientific community, but uh them laying claim to a gene that every human being has a copy of and saying that the, in any therapy that affects that gene they they're owed because they uh patented that gene uh has kind of fallen on 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 no yeah no and the 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 patent office has declined to uh to issue paperwork on that stuff. This, yes, it looks like there's a lot of reasons to question the, the patent. Uh, unfortunately, the the nice folks uh, at Runway Finder. Uh, I'm hoping this works out for them because, as they know, yeah. uh, running a free service doesn't give you much either way of resources to fight a big legal battle. On the other hand. Should the uh, 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 offenders in this uh, this little drama flight prep, decide to take on an entity like AOPA for their online flight planning, uh, I think they would find that AOPA absolutely does have the pockets to put a lawyer before the judge and say, "No, sorry, this, no no well we'll see how that goes
1: Well it, and I, as I understand it or the way it used to be anyway, the AOPA flight planner was a was a collaboration between AOPA and Jefferson. Right. I don't know if that's still the case. I, the latest iteration of their of their uh, application, I would guess uh, between the two of them. Yeah, they could bring some resources to bear on some of this. Yeah. How the AOPA um, service application uh, product will be affected? Uh, uh, stay tuned. Right.
3: How, how or whether? Excuse me. Right. Right. Well, in the meantime, watch, there's yeah. lots of other ways to plan a flight. I've actually heard of people doing this on paper. You know, I, <laughs> I, I was going to say, I've, I've uh, heard of that also. And, and in fact,
1: I was co- commenting to Jack. Um, I, I was doing online flight planning in 1983 yeah. of via CompuServe on an acoustic 300 baud modem and I, I, in, a, I, in a dumb, <laughs> a dumb term.
3: I remember know, seeing that
1: demonstrated on at AOPA.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve Fuller, I believe, was a, was the name of the guy who who engineered a lot of this stuff. Um, he was with a company called EMI, and had partnered with Compuserve to set up this this flight planning application from within Compuserve. And this was back in the days when. Uh, um, you, you, we're talking, you know, trash '80s and, and Heath right, kits and right. Sinclair's and Just stuff different. like that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like you, Jeb. I want to read some of this patent information a little more yeah, closely. Yeah. But it sounds to me like the distinction between that and this is whether it's originally it was only text based. And now it has a graphical element. Oh, I I agree. I'm just all I'm saying is that
1: online, yeah, yeah. online flight planning has been out there a while, right? And And it's not simply
0: online flight planning that they've got a patent on. It's online flight planning that involves graphical element. It's a delivery of Uh charts or something like that. But Uh we need to read it more carefully. Yeah, we need we need to you know dive
1: into this. I I would.
0: Yeah,
1: I I would quickly, and we will move on that applications again. uh, And I'm thinking of for flight, for example that the charts reside on the client computer right. and the calculations are done on the client computer um, would not seem to be affected by this. Yeah, an odd distinction, but I, that's what I understand
0: as well. Yeah. So anyways, we'll come back to this someday in the future. Here's a weird story. Um, This is a uh, so the uh, this is from a story in Avweb, uh, and it's uh, the the summary that I'm reading is from Avweb. Um, The Directorate General of Civil Aviation. That's what we need an organization that has a name like that in the United States. I will I will volunteer myself to be the Directorate directorate General. General. Um, This is in India. All right, Um, the Directorate General of Civil Aviation has recommended quote. Uh, appropriate action, unquote, against the crew of an Air India Express Boeing 737, after, and I won't read word for word here, but uh, after uh, a real, a real kind of amazing situation, uh, the, uh, I don't know, let me see if I can summarize this and stop me if I'm going wrong here. All right, um, they're flying along at altitude, everything hunky dory. The captain decides he needs to go to the bathroom, so he leaves the cockpit. This is routine, apparently. Um, yeah, well, yeah, there's no, there's no bathroom in the cockpit. The, co- co-pilot, yeah. the co-pilot is not really flying the airplane. It's just kind of monitoring the airplane because the airplane's on autopilot, all right? Something happens that the air, the autopilot goes nuts and or combined with the seat track unlocking on the co-pilot's seat. So he's sliding around. He can't get control. The airplane suddenly goes into a dive. It starts. The the pilot, meantime, is back in the main cabin. All right. He, of course, notices that something's wrong and is trying to get back into the cockpit. But he can't get into the cockpit because routinely the only way you can open this door is from the inside. And the co-pilot's busy freaking out. All right. So the Pilot can't get back in. The airplane's going all for crazy. All right, everybody's like losing their minds here. And um, apparently, eventually, the captain gets back into the into the uh, cockpit, and they get everything back under control, and all is well. Except that now this, these guys are in trouble for quote panicking, um, in uh, during flight. And so. What a crazy story. I don't know. Um, You know, I learned how to fly in Cessna 150s and 152s, and one of the earliest things you learn in a 150 and 152 is that that seat track thing will become unlocked at the most inconvenient of times. Uh So be very, very careful, you know. To this day, yep. I get in an airplane, all right? If I get in a air- small airplane, the first thing I do is wiggle the seat track, all right, to yep. make sure it's really locked, all right? Yep. Even if it's not one fifty 150, one fifty two, 152, I always wiggle the seat to make sure it's locked down in that track. Absolutely. Uh, I, do that. I
3: do that in my airplane every time yeah. I, I get in it. In, and in, in, uh, in this guy – I did that sitting down at the desk this morning. Yeah. So this
0: co-pilot got a little freaked
3: out when the seat, the seat unlocked and uh, – um, Well, it I says he adjusted the seat forward and inadvertently pushed the control column forward yeah and he, he may have overridden off the arm. yeah that's right that's, He may have overridden the flight management system okay uh, in which case it's going to you know the flight management system the autopilot was probably holding the airplane at a trim attitude against a little bit of trim pressure because that seems to be the way these things are set up because if you just kick them off they tend to diverge from trim Slightly in one direction or another, and this is something a couple of my flight and professional flight instructor, sim instructor friends, have talked about. That they like to wait for the pilot that, that you are training to get the airplane all set up and cruise and trim, and then do something really subtle, like fail the flight management system. Or just the pitch servo, right, 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 and so. and, and and watch to see how quickly the uh, the learning pilot. These aren't students in the primary sense by any means. The learning pilot picks up on what the problem is because the the simulator will immediately diverge slightly from trim in one direction or another, usually down, and that's okay at you know flight level three seven zero as long as it's not a whole lot, but boy if you start making the captain weightless while he's trying to take a leak, that's going to affect his aim <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, here, so this whole thing is just like a big mess and i'm uh, I'm somewhat sympathetic with just about everybody involved in this whole foofarah all right here's the paragraph here's the phrase in this story that really caught my eye though all right so um the, the captain's trying to get back in. The co-pilot can't open the door. Um, things are going crazy. And it says, the captain used an emergency code to gain access to the cockpit. All right? And I'm going, whoa, wait a minute. I thought... So... And I guess that makes sense. You know, when you stop and think about it, there should be a way in an emergency situation for the captain to get back on, you know, for example. Yeah, without the going outside, coming right. in the sideline. Yeah. But that... I just... It... it My first thought was, oh, my gosh, that's an incredible security hole, all right? If there's a way to get into the cockpit, onto the flight deck from the main cabin, all right, um, oops, I don't know. It just seems to me that caught my attention. Now, maybe that's not such a big deal to other people, but that really
1: caught my attention. Um, Yeah, I I hear what you're saying, and I kind of agree. I I don't know what that security code is. Um, I would imagine it's just a – Or I'd publish it, of course.
0: Well, yeah, right, Uh, Uh, it must be a combination lock, right? It's got to be a, just a push button combination some, lock yeah, on the part, door. I, I guess. Uh, I,
1: don't I, I know. guess why didn't the captain try that the first time though? Uh and yeah, right. And so right. It's I, I don't know, the whole thing's weird and and uh um I, I one thing that, the other thing that caught my eye here mm-hmm. is a 39-year-old captain, 25-year-old co-pilot. Okay. Yeah. Which tells me the co-pilot really didn't have that much experience.
0: Well, I mean, that's kind of obvious, I think,
3: isn't it? And, 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 it could have uh, been flying for a decade. Who knows? But it, it, what, oh, what you yeah, really do no, no, no. is, is you got these two relatively young officers on the flight deck of this three seven eight hundred, Uh And when the captain's trying to recover the aircraft, he's moving the yoke one way. Uh-huh. And, and the first officer's moving it another way. And that's the instant... At which I go, okay, kids, back to school. Yes. Both yes. of you, back to school. Uh, well, and, and first officer, back to primary school. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, the, the other the, the final thing I would think or that comes to mind on this is uh, the scene from Airplane where everybody's assuming the crash positions. <laughs> that, that's what I'm sure the cab would look like. Okay? Yeah, like <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and then there's the guy that came into the lab. To clean it up after the flight was over, and going, when did it rain in here? <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Jeb, are you ready to talk about your new technology purchase, or should we put this story
1: off to another week? Well, um, I, 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 you'd be kind of a, uh, I don't know, a preliminary entry in the, in okay. the, the, lexicon here, right. in the storyline. Um, yeah, I got an iPad. Dun dun dun. dun. Yeah. Uh, I, I have, I've officially come over to the dark side. <laughs> um. Okay. Okay. Um, I am I am uh, you decided um, to back the best of it. I'm I'm edging into the RFD. Uh-huh. And, uh, uh, slowly but surely. Now um, let me
0: let me confess so you, you managed to wrestle iTunes into submission, I understand. Oh. I you know, and I've heard this from a number of different Windows friends that iTunes on Windows will sometimes
1: give you trouble. And uh, There is a special there should be a special circle of hell for the team you know i I use the word develop loosely yeah uh, in this in this situation but the team that developed itunes for the windows platform um basically um had had the ipod for less than a day and i did it for me um i'm sorry you broke
0: up there it did what
1: itunes bricked my brand new ipad for me yeah Uh, i managed to successfully recover and yada 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 um but um um there there is just no excuse for some of that nonsense and uh uh, i i don't consider myself an expert by any means but i've been around these these machines since uh the eighties and uh tend to know what i'm doing um itunes um I would say, perhaps does not know what it's doing, (laughs) putting all that aside. uh, So I got this iPad, and mainly I got it um, um, to use in a cockpit. Um, Long-time listeners will know um, I've I've got a a Samsung Q1 uh, Windows-based tablet computer um, that I use to display uh, approach plates, and that works fine. It's a little sluggish. It's a little quirky, mainly because I'm a cheapskate. Uh, and won't spring for a real
3: good software. I was gonna floor. say it's just it, it's just picking up the traits of its owner.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, yeah. It's 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 all it's all uh, uh operator induced. But um uh decided to you know kinda embrace the horror here and and, and move forward and and get an iPad. I, I've downloaded and installed FourFlight on it. Uh, I've got all the charts and everything from FourFlight. I'm I'm still kind of playing around with this. Um, um hopefully uh, it will it will replace the Q1 and hopefully I'll be able to go all electronic um, with my charting needs um, uh, and save a bunch of money in the process. I will still you know have the the 530 in the panel and and still have the updated databases for it and I'll still have the Garmin uh, uh, 396 portable for for XM weather. Um, the hot lick is going to be if and when, uh, XM Weather is somehow available for display on the iPad. Um, I would pay probably real money uh, to see that happen. Um, and those of you uh, who might be in to develop something like that or find some hardware, I'd certainly be interested in it uh, in hearing about it. But uh, this is kind of you know chapter one in in, a, in what will be a continuing saga of Jeb's trials and tribulations with with doing electronic charting on the iPad in the cockpit. Mm-hmm. But no, and so, but I, but iTunes people, uh, I'm sorry, you know, you you folks really need to go back to school.
0: Um, so yeah, it, it as you said, this is still a new thing for you. you yeah. have been on one flight since you've owned it. Uh, yes,
1: I I used it uh, a week or so ago. Actually, I think a week week ago today, um, to um, uh, retrieve the airplane from Georgia. Uh worked fine. Um I've got the um uh, actually the, the iPad I got is full boat. It's the sixty four gig with with um three G. Um so you know I'm, I'm at uh I don't know whatever altitude it was, ninety five hundred feet, uh zooming right along. Um four flight is keeping up. I'm looking at, you know, my little airplane symbol, zooming down the sectionals, zooming down the low app charts. Um it, it works. It works great. Uh as far as I can tell. Um, the sun glare thing was not really an issue on this flight, uh, in part because of the direction in which I was headed uh, relative to the sun. I don't know how that's going to work out on a, on a bright sunny day here in Florida. Um, I've also got to figure out a way to mount uh, the device. I've got a um, a ram uh, mount. If anybody's familiar with the ram mounting systems, I've got a, a base uh, for that already installed in the airplane. I've got the mount for the iPad. Uh, I haven't set all that up, uh, all that stuff up yet. I'm going to try to do that over the weekend. Um, you know, it's a, it's an evolutionary thing, um, and and I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, uh, point out um, uh, just to you know kind of toot a couple of horns here. Uh, our good friend and and uh, buddy here, Dave Higdon, um, recently uh, filed a story for an upcoming issue of Aviation Safety Magazine, talking about. Uh, get your e f b your your electronic flight bag uh flight bag in the cockpit and uh, uh live and learn and uh, um, um, that's kind of the process through which i'm going right now is is you know kind of studying this thing and getting to know it on the ground before I actually get it in the airplane and have to use it for real yeah.
0: Um, one, one more thing, Jeb, before I ask David his impression. Um, you commented the other night about your sort of uh, uh, casual impression about the quality of the GPS reception versus your other GPS devices.
1: Yeah. Um, the, the GPS in the iPad seems to be extremely uh, efficient, seem, is extremely uh, sensitive. Uh, I can be in the house and uh, happen to load uh, um, for flight. And uh, pull up a chart or something like that, and boom, uh, there's a little blue dot flashing at me, uh, telling me where I am. Mm-hmm. And this is after not having energized uh, uh, the, uh, the device um, and not having loaded for flight or anything like that. And, and that's in the house. My 396 would not do that in the house. Right. Uh, and, and the 396 in the airplane has to be, you know, kind of, in a, in a pretty good location. Uh, near a window for it to get a, <coughs> excuse me for it to get a GPS signal. Um other GPS devices, my droid for example, which is a whole another story, um um won't really get a good GPS signal in a house or without being outside or something like that. Uh but but the four flight on the i on the iPad or maybe it's just the iPad hardware itself, it will. And I find that um very good very good uh, uh very good thing uh, and very surprising.
0: Yeah. Now, did you did you see a similar kind of uh, when you were outside, like when you were flying, um, the GPS was equally
1: effective, responsive, quick. Um, because I have an explanation. I have a. Well, I, have, I, I, I will I will note that the uh, when inside the house, and I could go get it right now, but um, when inside the house, you know, the GPS will tell me where I am. Uh, It might not give me the exact altitude or it might have a fairly large uh, position error associated with it. Versus when I'm outside and have a direct view of the sky. Right. Yes, the way, that, is, that is true.
0: The way the iPad and the iPhone work in terms of location technology is that it doesn't rely solely on the GPS.
1: Right. It does um, rely on, on Wi-Fi locations. Right. right. And so
0: I think one of the reasons it's so quick to find itself in your house is because chances are it knows the location of your Wi-Fi network. Which it which that doesn't give
1: which which doesn't give me a warm fuzzy.
0: Yeah, I know. Well, it's the way it is. It's been that way for a long time now. Yeah, I told but, you the but, story about how when I moved from Dover to uh, Lookout Point here, yeah. and uh, I just picked up my uh, my Wi-Fi base station from my home in Dover and, right. and carried it to, uh, to Lookout Point and plugged it in and started using it. And one day I had occasion to ask the some device uh, what my location was, and it very, very quickly said, oh, you're in Dover, right? And it would just, for quite some time, it was showing me as being stuck still in Dover, and that's because the system had noted that, the, that my particular Wi-Fi base station was in Dover at one point, and it hadn't updated, you know.
1: I, I, I get that. I, I understand, you know, how they go about all that, and, and using the MAC address to put a lat long on the, on, the, on the MAC address. I understand all of that. But what, what kind of interests me about this is, A, I haven't been in this location that long, uh, yeah. Since since uh, mid September at the at the morrow, so we're talking um, uh, not even three months yet, and um, um, relatively new router, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm kind of off the beaten track here. You have to kind of come down my driveway and, and turn around in my front yard uh, before my Wi-Fi will give you a signal. So I don't know how they're getting. Unless I've somehow entered my address or something, you know, in some database somewhere, which is not outside the realm of possibility.
0: I have no doubt really? that they're I'm there, trying to
1: figure out how they how they do this.
0: Yeah, I have no doubt that there are listeners out there who understand this better than we yeah, do and I would yeah. love a little bit of a of a primer on this. Um, um well, how do these Wi-Fi location-based things work? How do they, you know, at one point I thought that there was like a vehicle that drove around and and Well, sniffed. there is. Uh,
1: uh and, and Google has several vehicles that not only, you know, the Street View mapping that you see on on Google Maps um, that is done by these these roving vehicles that Google has. Those roving vehicles also have Wi-Fi uh, sniffers on them. Yeah. And I get I get all of that. But there hasn't been one come down my driveway. Right. At, and
0: so we speculate that there must be more to it. I wonder right. if some of our software, maybe your Android phone or and or my Two iPhone words. Are, are phoning home. Yeah, Dave?
1: Two words. Yeah. Skynet. <laughs> <laughs> That's one word. But yeah, I was headed the same direction. Yeah. Yeah. But but I you know, I'm I'm sure that the, you know there's an a simple explanation here, something along the lines of at some point when I've been to my Google account, I have asked for directions from my current location to some other location. Yeah. And Google has somehow made the connection of my current location is this address, and whenever um, I, I'm on a machine, logged into Google, uh, and, you know, ask for my location, and it's uh, the Mac address of the router that I use at home that, it, boom, it pops me up at home. Right. You know,
0: that or Facebook has sold all your personal information to some location. But I'm well, not on so. Facebook, so that can't happen. And that doesn't mean they don't know where you
1: are. Well, this is true too. This is true too. Don't get
0: me started on Facebook, David. Uh, let's go back to something serious here. Uh, <laughs> what's your no. impression? You, you know, you, you're even a little bit more than than Jeb. You are the uh, avionics tech uh, uh, reporter. Um, what do you know? What's the word on iPad? You referred referred us to a store, a particular story here about a lot of people using iPads for flight planning. Uh, well, it, it was to me it was, I threw it up there. Is like, wow, you think? Uh okay. Yeah. The headline is more pilots using iPad
3: to plan and prepare flights. Mm-hmm. It's kinda of like, wow, I never would have thought of that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean <laughs> I mean I was seeing uh I was seeing betas of apps walking around at uh at uh, Oshkosh. Right. Uh I'm sorry, walking around at Sun and Fun. I was seeing right. beta of, of iPad apps. And the iPads weren't yet quite coming off the UPS trucks uh, at the time that those, of course, you know, the, the, the folks at Apple work with developers well in advance of these products hitting the store shelves. But, uh, I was like, wow, people are using electronics to do their flight planning? I'm shocked. Check the patent office. Uh, <laughs> well,
1: this is, yeah, this is nothing new. I mean, dating myself here a little bit, but I still have a couple Palms. Anybody remembers that hardware platform? Uh, sitting in a, in a storage bin in the other room here in the house. Yeah. On which Jeb, I
0: sorry. was. Jeb, you broke up there. Just name the device you were referring to
1: Palm 7. Thank you. Okay, which is a a PDA, if you remember that platform, um, that I was using software from a company called Cheap Bastards Software.
3: I remember that,
1: yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, they they were doing some flight planning stuff on the Palm 7. The Palm 7 um, used um, the cellular network for connectivity, I was able to send email from these things while airborne over Oklahoma ten years ago, uh, yeah. and, and and download uh, actually weather graphics uh, monochrome stuff, but download this stuff to the to the uh, the Palm, uh, do some flight planning, this kind of thing, and again that was ten years ago. So uh, the platforms have changed. Yeah, I mean, It was, no. was not the most reliable out there. The, the, the network wasn't the most reliable out there. We've come a long way, but the, the basic
3: concepts here aren't that new. Yeah. I was doing flight planning on my uh, SkyMap 3C uh, color portable GPS. Now, this was not a Palm device, okay? This was not a quote-unquote handheld because it had no internal battery, period. Uh, you could buy an accessory battery that was about the same size as the unit itself, which was just smaller than the brick that would go into building a porch uh had a, a three by five inch color screen uh had the program built into it uh update the database, and everything was good to go uh that was nineteen ninety seven ninety eight yeah yeah when I was using that by by ninety By 98, I had it actually talking to the fuel totalizer in our airplane, Mm -hmm. Uh, was doing flight planning on uh, a notebook computer, went on the road as early as 96. You, You know, the platforms are moving along. Now we have EFBs that not only let you do the flight planning, but store all the paper. You know, the facsimiles, if you will, of all the papers, the, 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 the in-roots, the, the SIDs, the STARS, the approach plates. That's thousands and thousands and thousands of pieces of paper that we used to have to carry around. you yeah. can all come on these now. Wow, shock and amazement. Uh, the iPad's just the latest and not a very early comer to the party. Uh, Carmen's, you know, 696 has been in that, uh, in that field for what, two, two and a half years. Uh, Honeywell's Aviator Ace has been in that. Uh, there have been a number of non dedicated hardware platforms running special software by different companies for around for years. Uh, like jeb stuff going back to, you know, well, not quite Methuselah. But he was still working on hexadecimal, but <laughs> you, you get the idea. And so, when, when one of these stories comes out, it's called I, I an abacus. Yeah. There we, how do you convert nautical miles into statute miles on an abacus? Well, you take the top three beads to the left and the bottom three beads. The, but it's like, wow, it's a new device. People are going to do things with it. Very cool. Why do yeah, you think uh, they come up with new devices? Jeez. Another, another story in the continuing saga
1: of, you know, reporters who don't have a whole lot to do and, and are, can't be bothered to really go out and find new, real news. Um, but just kind of sum this up, if anybody is interested in a couple of Palm 7s and uh, with some accessories
3: <laughs> like cradles and stuff like that, hit me up because i got a deal for you. But you can't have my Model 100. I'm, I'm I'm holding on to that for when the yeah. museums start to open up yeah that's right i have i have two storage lockers i'm i'm
0: embarrassed to admit i have two storage lockers where stuff is stashed right now and each of them have a little corner that i call the museum and it's just uh-huh. the old computer gear that i can't bring myself to whatever
1: you know I've, I've got uh two or three laptops around here i've got Two or three CPUs. I've got CRT-based monitors. Yeah. Uh, you know, just taking up space. I can't throw them away. It's, it's it's there's too they're too valuable to throw away. And one of these days, I keep saying I'm going to set up a Linux box or you know set up some kind of a server you know deal, and and I never get around to it. But yeah, yeah I've got three or four plastic bins full of stuff like this. You know, serial cables and. And uh, you know, twenty-five foot long parallel cables and, oh, and yeah. things like this, and it's like, Ooh, whoa, parallel you know.
3: cables, yeah. <laughs> Ooh. All right, moving on here. Let's see. Uh, so, I mean, you, you know, I, I I started looking for my walker and my cane when you started talking about <laughs> acoustic couplers. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, anyways,
0: uh-huh. let's see now. Uh, you, we, we are actually reaching the end of our allotted time, and we've only scratched the surface and on what, this list. What's,
3: what's an acoustic coupling look like, and, and is that X-rated? Yeah. It depends um. on with what you're coupling. <laughs> All right. Um, In, I'm gonna, intimate with the handset. Oh, right. my God.
0: I'm going to invite you guys. Cut it out. I'm going to invite you guys to uh, look at the rest of the list for a couple seconds and pick out an item that you want to talk about. Um,
1: uh, this this piece on not too many people survive a plane crash is... is
0: yeah. So okay. that's that's the money quote here. Let me see if I can find it here. Where would it go? <laughs> um uh,
3: yeah. That yeah. reporter belongs to the same club as the one that did the iPad story.
1: Baltimoresun.com uh is Do we want to go, go to the, the the Clark County uh terrorism story too. Uh
0: sure, oh, why not? Sure,
1: uh, yeah. That's that's cuz right. that's, uh, that's going to be a, you know, let's beat on Dave for a little while. Uh, uh okay. thanks. I, I don't you know, I don't want
0: Anyways, uh, let's see to now. Go the Baltimore Sun though, uh has a, has a story called plane crashes into Roy neighborhood pilot um, it, it says an in, in awkward headline says pilot upgraded to serious condition. So the pilot survived. Uh, I don't know the whole story here. The the money quote is that uh, in describing the situation, one of the eyewitnesses um, said, "That guy is lucky. Not too many people survive a plane crash." And uh, Jeb, you called our attention to this. Your reaction to that quote was
1: what? <sighs> what, what did I say here? Call really? Tank Box <laughs> Oscar. Not too many people survive a plane crash well, okay um then define plane crash uh define people um define de- not too many yeah, define not too many uh, maybe in his experience uh that's true, but if you know a simple um, um cursory example of the n t s b s database and or its monthly summary of you know is it uh various accidents that occur in uh, for US registered airplanes. there's a lot of accidents out there that people survive um, uh, some of them survive with no injuries mm-hmm. they actually physically get out and walk away and the airplane cannot be flown again uh that's yeah. generally classified as an incident or an accident um, it is you know it's just you know some guy speaking off the cuff to some reporter and and uh reporter writes it down and dutifully reports it but uh Um, come on, (laughs) I know, I know. Well, let me step back here and play the devil's advocate for a second
0: here. Let's just step back from this as an aviation story and look at it as a journalism exercise. And you guys are both career journalists. How does a journalist decide? So this is a good juicy quote. On one level, I understand that the guy wanted to use this quote in the story because it's kind of a colorful, juicy quote. Those of us who know aviation a little bit better know that it's not a quote that has an awful lot of valuable content in it. Um, how how does a journalist make that decision? Maybe that's a that's a whole other podcast. I
3: don't know. Well, well, it's, the quick and dirty is uh, if if you're on deadline and you can't quantify that. Uh, if 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 it, you know, e- extracting myself from my aviation background for a moment, if I'm sitting on a copy desk and this comes through, and I look at that and I kind of go, "Really? Do we know that?" Uh, if we can't affirm that somehow or quantify that somehow, let's not use that quote. Let's right. just end it at, I told him he was one lucky guy and ended it at that. Right. Right. Um, and in, you know, the in the old days, without Internet keyword searches, I would have probably called an FAA office and said, uh, do, do many people su- su- survive small airplane crashes, to which somebody would have said, oh, yeah, happens all the time, or, well, you really need to call the NTSB or the Flight Safety Foundation. Or, well, I'm sorry. And, for and, and, and you're calling Safety me
1: Methuselah? <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> all right. So this is
0: just mainstream media not getting it. Or it's actually not, not mainstream media not getting aviation. This is bad
1: journalism is what you're saying. It, I'm it's saying it's sloppy. It's, it's, it's yeah. It's it's just it's just sloppy. You know, he, the guy, the, the reporter writes down the full quote, and he's probably not even thinking. He he, he just right. goes ahead, types it up, and runs it, and he's filled out his 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 word uh, um, quota for the day, uh, and that's okay, fine. But but that statement is is prima facie false. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it, it's just is a statement by a witness. So it doesn't add up to a hill of beans. The witness is un- uneducated or unknowledgeable about such matters, um, but it's it's kind of sort of indicative of of what we see elsewhere. We've seen it uh, earlier today in talking about other stories. Um, it's just indicative of what we see in the media um, and it's not related to aviation yeah okay no um- it's, it's not restricted to aviation let me let me rephrase that.
3: Well, and it's gotten worse in some ways with the advent of Internet journalism, uh, the cable media, the 24-hour news cycle. Uh, I really feel for my friends that are still in, 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 in newspaper newsrooms because you used to be you filed your story by whatever your section deadline was. You know, if it was going on front page. Of the A section, that was the latest deadline of the day. Uh, but that's all you had to do. You had to make that deadline for that section. If I was working on three stories for three different sections, I worked the earliest deadline first, and the rest accordingly. Now you're on deadline every frackin' minute of the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's well, who can get this on the web first, and we'll. We'll fix it on the web later. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Let's just yeah. get it on the web, and we'll fix, it. We'll fix any problems later. Yeah. And that, 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 that would have never gotten out news. of Journalism 101. Yeah. yeah.
0: Now, Jeb, yeah. this other story um, you were alluding to earlier, what, what sort of mischief has David been up to in Clark County? Well, it's all his fault. Okay, okay. you're going to explain because, this to me. What, what's the story, and why is it David's fault? And I'm totally prepared to accept that it's David's fault. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> let, let me let me find this. Um, Ex- yeah. Okay. Um, there's a there's an article, fairly large and, and uh, uh, fairly large article here, and it's in the Louisville, Except Kentucky Courier me. Journal. Yeah. yeah. The headline is Small Airports May Get Added in Security Next Year. Okay. And um, this got picked up. uh, I don't know if it got picked up beyond the Courier Journal or not, but it's certainly a local. Oh, yes, they did. Yeah. yeah. Um, So basically, um, um, imagine this for your next. This is the lead graph. Imagine this for your next flight, checking in without having a stranger rummage through your luggage. Walking onto the tarmac, and that's a word I can't stand anyway, walking onto the tarmac without a body search and not worrying that you somehow ended up on a no-fly list. The next graph reads, that's exactly the situation at more than 2,800 small landing fields across the country where, even after the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks, security measures are minimal, despite a steady buzz of business jets and recreational airplanes. Well, yeah.
0: Okay. This is, um, this is the USA Today story all over again.
1: This is USA Today dumbed down even further and 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 written up for local news consumption by the, in the Louisville Courier Journal. Um, this is a story that uh, is is kind of keyed to some noises starting to come back out of TSA again that they're going to revisit this um, uh, large airplane security rule that they uh, proposed two or three years ago that we roundly criticized, that the rest of the industry roundly criticized and the TSA received over 8000 negative comments on and decided you know maybe maybe they could info to the drawing board. Um now TSA is saying, you know, we're going to revisit this, we're going to come out with a new rule, we've listened to your comments, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And this is just another, you know, softening of the um uh the resistance uh against such a rule. Um by going out to the general media and saying, Lordy, lordy, these towers are going to kill us all.
3: Come, come help us. Save us, please. Well, you guys may have missed the story about yeah. the uh, Cessna 150 that crashed into a cemetery in Europe. Mm. So far, they've recovered 312 bodies. They say, it's the worst disaster in aviation history. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, and let's, let's, let's dissect this puppy once. And I've met the, the author. Uh, the reporter on this article, because yeah, yeah. if I remember right, he was a newbie when I was a freelancer at the Louisville Career Journal back when Jeb oh. was still Methuselah. This would uh, be
0: the, the Ben Hirschberg?
3: Yes. Okay. And uh, I, I can't attest to anything about him. I always seemed like a sharp reporter. Uh, but I can tell you that my sources, uh, and I just finished a story for a publication exactly about this topic. About the TSA's pending proposal, what we've been through, what did happen, what didn't happen, how we dodged a bullet with all those, you know, those eight thousand comments and in, in, in the public meetings that it was a public meetings where the TSA people kind of went, can we get out of here on a back door, please? Uh, the headline on this story, the headline on this story, according to the people who have been talking to me this past week, is totally wrong. Mm-hmm. End of story. It is they are not going to be setting up more airport security measures in their next security proposal. Uh, the buzzword for the next TSA proposal for general aviation, uh, the buzzword is the Trusted Pilot Program. Oh yeah, they're not they're not going to focus on airports. They're going to focus on clearing pilots big trouble now yeah go ahead well yeah okay. it, it, yeah it, 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 I, th- I thought it was hilarious too the trusted pilots program they're going to where the large aircraft security program that got shot down in 09 and i mean shot down machine gun fire air to air missiles ground air missiles the, the community just lit it up right yeah um, that kicked in for aircraft weighing over twelve thousand five hundred pounds, which is a FAA defined mark between FAR twenty-three and FAR twenty-five airplanes. And in the TSA's early years was where they decided to create a program for securing and clearing charter pilots and charter flights, the twelve so-called twelve five program. Uh, The next program that they want to propose the weight limit is going to be way higher than 12.5. Uh, they're throwing out a bunch of the silly crap like you have to vet your passengers against a watch list, even if it's your grandmother, your mother, your wife. Okay, that- you're saying they're throwing that out? They're throwing that out. Okay. They're throwing out the uh, requirement that for heavier aircraft up around 90,000 and up, the occasional, we may have to put an air marshal on board with you. And if you have to throw somebody off to accommodate the air marshal, so be it. And you've got to carry them at your expense. And that's going away too. That's going away too. Uh, Well, this sounds good so far. The banned items list, the airline bans. Well, we can distill what the original last uh, large aircraft security program down to this: airline security for heavier GA airplanes. Right. That that's it in a nutshell, in a sentence. All the stuff that we dislike: passenger vetting, uh, luggage vetting, uh, banned items list. A pilot wasn't going to be able to bring on his own nail clippers because he might hijack himself. At 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 ten night two, two, two real. That's quick all that. Things.
1: Jeb, go ahead. Yeah, two two real quick things. The sidebar that goes with this story on the Louisville uh, Courier Journal site says proposed TSA rules and basically reiterates uh, some of the bullet points from the LASP rule that has died an ignoble ignoble death. Um, so the sidebar is inaccurate to begin with. Yeah. S- second yeah. thing is is while I'm not doubting the veracity of what Dave says, um uh relative to what the TSA might be coming out with with respect to a new rule, um they haven't come out with a new rule yet or new proposed rule I should say. And uh we kind of need to take a wait and see attitude here. Um um let's put it this way. I think that the TSA hasn't been the most trustworthy Honest or um, um, uh,
0: good, good faith player.
1: Good, thank you. Uh, uh, over the, the last few years on these various topics, so I wouldn't I wouldn't want to you know bring it break out the punch ball quite yet on on what they might do in the future.
0: Yeah.
3: All right. Well, the the trusted pilot program that we're hearing quite a bit which, about, <laughs> which is just laughable on its face, because if you don't trust your pilot, who are you going to trust? Well, that's that's the inside chuckle. Uh, But the acknowledgement of that idea, that very simple idea, uh, is considered uh, a a groundbreaking epiphany by a lot of the people in the GA community in in their view of TSA. The idea that the TSA is coming around to, if you can't trust the pilot, you're screwed. So they're going to set a higher weight, weight limit for their proposal to kick in and they want to create and this is what everybody's got questions about they want to create some kind of program that identifies and vets the pilots of those aircraft right and then after that everything's up to them
0: let me see if i understand this though jeb and i start out being cynical about this as we've been for some time now but david it sounds to me like you're cautiously optimistic about the future of this whole thing
3: well, if, if what we're being told and if what's in circulation, and, and this is, and this is a, you know, a far from a done deal yet, uh, and I'll tell you why in a second. But if all this stuff was to hold, this would be a far more reasonable and acceptable to the community solution for well. easing the worries of the people who th- think everything from, uh, you know, a, a light sport airplane up to Airbus A380 is equally threatening. Yeah. Jeb, why don't you see if you can wrap this up and we'll move yeah. on?
1: Yeah. First of all, the trusted pilot uh concept, uh while the, the phrase itself is is uh, I think uh uh redundant and or you know, ironic, um <laughs> they're not trusting they're not trusting airline pilots. Airline pilots they'll have to go security as grandma and her knitting needles, okay? Um so we we've got a we've got a, a pilot or a flight crew um Sitting in the cockpit, A, they got a crash act, so why can they not carry their nail clippers with them? But B, um, anytime they wanted to, they could crash the airplane into something because they're the pilots.
3: Hello? okay. Well, and air- airline pilots and charter pilots flying over 12,500 have for a long time had to be. Background checks. I understand that. that. You know, they get fingerprinted and all that crap. Sure. What everybody's questioning now is: so, what constitutes a trusted pilot, and how do you identify them, and make this program work? And we're a long way from knowing that.
1: Right there with you. I would simply point out that, of course, background checks are quote infallible, aren't they? Unquote. Right. so, all, I mean, that, all that, the people that attacked us right. on
3: 911 would have passed most of the background checks. Exactly, exactly. So. I guess
1: the, the, the final point here is, is that the, the general aviation community um, is, is going to roll over and accept some of this, accept this trusted pilot, accept all of these background checks, and accept uh, you know, some of this other stuff. Um, at, at this particular point in time, uh, I think we need a strong reality check on our own. Um, this is, again, uh, stuff that has no relevance to current operations. Is, is, is not. Is, it's, go- it's like going back. It's like what we talked about at the top of the podcast about the FAA's um, registration, uh, re-registration uh, process, and trying to do this in the name of, of, uh, uh, of terrorism or anti-terrorism or, or name of security or whatever. It's the same fallacy uh, in that the bad guys are going to do this
3: stuff anyway. Yeah. That's right. Uh, but we're a long way from knowing how this is going to, exactly. to uh, fold out because the TSA has not finished internally massaging the the, uh, the revised proposal that they want to get out. Matter of fact, it was you know if you go back far enough, you can see stories that says it was supposed to have been out around Oshkosh, and it's not yet, and it's not expected to be for a while because from TSA it goes up to the parent that's Department of Homeland Security from once it clears DHS it goes to the White House and the Office of Management and Budget and after OMB finishes with it it goes back through that chain back down to TSA where they will have to try to figure out how to make the changes that those other people wanted we'll be lucky to even see a proposal by this coming Oshkosh let alone worry about the rule being in effect Okay. when I, when I said I would
1: say nothing else on this topic, i lied all right um i two things real quickly <laughs> one, I would simply want to ask the people behind this at the t s a are you stupid or are you just evil uh and and, and know know what their their reaction is um the second thing i I can't remember you know, but the whole thing is just you know more more uh theater more security theater. We need to be going in the other direction here, and we need to be um lightening up a, a lot of this stuff already you know we're seeing a uh some some results from some of the pushback against the uh the enhanced groping and uh uh the x rated scanners at at airports and and we need more of that, not less of it yeah
3: yeah the uh t s a actually wised up and decided to stop. Pulling airline pilots and flight attendants out of the line to put them through the uh, new full-body scans and the enhanced pad-downs because, wow, somebody at TSA headquarters in D.C. Uh, kind of woke up one day and said, but after they do all that, they still are the guys flying the airplane. Yeah. Okay. Shout-outs. What do we
0: got here? Um, I got one that I just just came up with a second ago, but why, why one of you guys go first? What do you got? Dave, there's a couple here that have your name on them.
3: Uh yeah, they did. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. This one. This one. Uh my hats off. I want to give a shout out to uh, the National Gay Pilots Association Education Fund. Yeah. Uh we've got plans to award fifteen thousand in scholarships in two thousand eleven to aviators pursuing careers as professional pilots uh applications can be submitted between january one and march twenty one. Uh the applications are online at at w dot ngpa. That's novembergolfpapaalpha.org org Uh they'll be announced sometime in June. Uh if you're looking for a little help paying for your aviation education that, that might be one way to do it. And very, very here, here's cool, to yeah. the Here's to the group for for, uh, setting it up.
0: Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I've got to, so I'm sitting here on Saturday morning in my living room at Lookout Point, and uh, I have the TV on in the background, or, you know, across the room, but muted. I just happened to notice um, a commercial on the it's on the Discovery Channel. Uh, watching, by the way, Swamp Loggers, which is a, a show that I've just become addicted to, and it, and by the way, is PR genius. But that's we have
1: to we have to have a serious conversation. Okay.
0: <laughs> Anyways, um, so maybe this is old news, but uh, I, I just happened to notice a commercial uh, on Discovery Channel for a a show that's going to premiere in January called Flying Wild Alaska. Maybe this is old news. Have you guys heard of this before? Um, I have not heard of this. It, the, the commercial was great, even without sound. I mean, there was all kinds of airplanes flying, and uh, the, con- the, the the sort of impression I got from the from the soundless commercial was that it was all about flying in Alaska, bush flying, and so forth. I quickly uh, looked up found the Discovery uh, web uh, uh, press release here, and it says "Flying Wild Alaska premieres January five uh, at nine p.m." Uh, "Flying Wild Alaska" follows the unconventional Tweedo or Tweedle family that rules Alaska's most dangerous Skies operating their family-run airline ERA, our Era Alaska, they battle unforgiving Alaska weather and terrain to transport life's necessities to one of the most remote and extreme regions of America. So this is ERA. this is Ice
1: Pilots for uh, North uh, for U.S. consumption.
0: Uh,
3: maybe that's what it is, huh? It's inspired by Ice Pilots. Yeah, um, and, yeah. Uh, that's cool. Era is is a major operator up there. Yeah. I have flown on Era helicopters uh, a couple of times. Uh, Back a long time ago, there was a boat wreck up there that I got sent up. <laughs> uh,
0: Yes, right. Um, well, it's uh, the, the commercial. Yeah. The commercials looked great. I I just going, whoa, that's that looks because it was a, looked like a lot of you know the ice pilots they were focusing on like the DC threes and the in the larger iron, and the commercial I saw just now had a lot more like 182s, 172s, cool. smaller, Bush yeah, kind of
3: things. Yeah, boy, Alaska has got more airplanes per people than any other state in the union. I think. Yeah. So I'm going to to have to a location on Earth?
0: I'm going to check this out uh, uh, Flying
3: Wild Alaska. And I found my the two shout outs whenever you're ready. I am ready. Go ahead, David. Uh, first off, here's something that those of us with airplanes or access to airplanes can do called the uh, Veterans Airlift Command, uh, using private airplanes to transport uh, wounded uh, military members when they get back in the States from their service help get them home, help get them to treatment. Uh, think of it as kind of a specialized angel flight operation uh, devoted to uh, uh, our wounded warriors. Uh, that's at uh, veteransairlift.org. The other one is more uh, generic and personal. Susan Sheets, way to go, lady. Yeah. What'd she do? Uh, what happened? She soloed a couple of weeks ago, flying out of Manassas, and did her solo cross-country. Outstanding. So she her. is on her way. Susan is a, a an old good friend who uh, helped found and for twenty years successfully operated and managed the National Aircraft Resale Association. Uh, very sharp, very sharp woman. Uh, good Washington connections, and uh, heard a bunch of us keep saying over and over again, you know, Susan, if you're going to be in this business you really could do yourself a favor by getting a license, learning to fly. So she's been working on it uh, and making more progress now that she is uh, without uh, a job.
0: Okay. So, well, Yeah, those things always get in the way. My goodness.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah I, I, one, one real quick one. Um, yeah. And this goes back to uh, something we talked about uh, several episodes ago, um, a guy who got um, – I'm going to say it this way. Got it hot water for dumping some toilet paper out of his airplane. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'll just read this really quickly. A North Jersey pilot who alarmed people on the ground when he tossed rolls of to- toilet paper, plane, has been placed on, placed on probation and will have to write a letter of apology. 60 um, year old Warren Saunders of Westwood entered into the plea agreement Monday with the Bergen County Prosecutor's Office. Um, not so much a shout out to the to the pilot uh but for uh the judge and the prosecutor for having um you know not so much a sense of humor but a sense of proportion yeah yeah uh, and and uh understanding that we all make mistakes and uh, this one is probably way down on the list uh the mistake was really just not you know prepping the people on the ground that this was going to happen uh and, and nothing really illegal here um, um, nothing unsafe, uh, nothing uh, uh, insecure about any of this. It was just a prank, just kind of a joke, and it got a little bit out of hand because he didn't notify anybody on the ground. It was going to happen beforehand. So I, kind of a uh, hats off to um, to the legal establishment uh, up there for having, uh, again, some sense of
0: yeah, I agree. Common sense, common sense did seem to prevail yeah, there more yeah. than than you might have expected, and that's a good thing. Although the story is is silent on the subject of what happened to his pilot's license, whether um, there might have been any enforcement in that
1: area. Do you there's know? there's no prohibition in the FARs. There's you know there's careless and reckless always, but there's no prohibition in the FARs about dropping stuff out of airplanes. The the only the only thing the, the FARs say about dropping things out of airplanes is you don't endanger persons or property. Right. And. In, yeah. uh, Toilet paper, soggy or not, uh, is isn't very is, in, rare, is rarely crazy. going to endanger anybody. Yeah,
0: I want to make a quick shout out to uh, our friends, colleagues, uh, uh, co-passionate folks in the aero aeronautics world. I don't know how to characterize it exactly. Um, call it GA Extreme here. The SpaceX corporation yeah. Um, yeah. this past week uh, successfully launched, sent into orbit, and then recovered. Um, the first commercial spacecraft, the first non-government supported or non-government designed, I guess, because there was government money supporting it a little bit. But uh, um, SpaceX is a, a, an organization um, that's uh, founded by a, a, a technology guy named Elon Musk. He's also the guy that's behind one of the more successful or notorious electric car programs, um, the uh, Forget what it's called now, but uh, it's the famous sports car uh, uh, electric car that's uh, they in development. And he's also got SpaceX, uh, which he is the CEO of, and he and his team um, did uh, reached a really great milestone this past week. And uh, uh, hats off to them! Uh, congratulations! Go for it. Um, let's see now. I think that's about
1: it. Um, one one real quick thing here. Yeah, Just, go ahead. Uh, we could we can we can talk about this then road, or, or or not at all for that matter. Um, but um, uh, later this month uh it will be 65 years since the Beach Bonanza first flew it was in 1947 that that's Beach correct Bonanza, Beach Bonanza first flew It was in December of uh, 1947 um, how did that first one handle Jeb the uh, <laughs> I, I I still got you know I still got the <laughs> log book uh, um, Yeah. but the the kind of the the, the The punchline here that I would want to emphasize is that that was 42 years and five days after the Wright brothers first flew. Ah, So that moment was
0: closer to the Wright brothers than we are to it.
1: Yeah. In in, in 42 years, we went from barely staying aloft to one of the more timeless uh, designs ever. And you know, of course, the DC three and, and the B seventeen and and a lot of other aircraft predated uh, uh, the the Bonanza. And, and and as far as classics are concerned, probably uh, the Bonanza doesn't hold a candle to those. But you know, I'm not really singling out the Bonanza or anything like it. But it's just, is to me, it's always uh, very uh, breathtaking to to think about the advancements that we've made uh, in in such a short period of time. And and in fact, it's that we're made a long, long time ago you know, in a much shorter period of time uh, between that first flight at Kitty Hawk and, uh, you know, say the DC-3 or or uh, uh, just, you know, the all-metal airplane generally.
3: It, it's just quite sobering sometimes to think about
0: that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
3: I'll and, shut up. You know, the, 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 uh, the testament to the, the strength and, and innovation of that very first Model 35 Bonanza is the is the existence of 2011 G36 bonanzas still mm-hmm. coming off the line at uh, at, at Hawker Beechcraft? That's right. And it was my good fortune to fly in 1948. They, they, they 47 was the first year they started delivering. I I got to fly a 48 solo to and from Oshkosh one year, and and what a treat! Uh, I mean, well, small engine, very lightweight airplane. Uh, back in 1948, uh, and just cook right along on 205 horsepower, about 145 yeah. Yeah. knots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I said
1: 1947, that's when they were first started to be delivered. It was 65 years ago, 1945.
3: For, for it's first the first flight. flight. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Anyways,
0: thank you, boys. Uh, Jeb Burnside is a, uh, av- is a freelance aviation journalist, currently serving as the editor in chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb, where can people find you on the internet? <laughs>
1: Uh, jeburnside.com, AviationSafetyMagazine.com, AvWeb.com occasionally, uh, AEA.net occasionally.
0: And Dave Higdon, an aviation photographer, also an aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales
3: Magazine. David, where can people find you on the Internet? Oh, Avbuyer.com, like Jeb, AEA.net, that's a pretty regular appearance, Uh, AviationSafetyMagazine.com occasionally. there's a couple of proprietary publications that go with associations that I show up in from time to time, but you'd have to pay them money to see those. So. I see. All right. And I'm
0: Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. You can learn more about me at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. Thanks to Jeff Ward for creating our show notes. Thanks to uh, Mike Morgan and Royce Earle and to the many other listeners who have created the UCAP disclaimer clips and the other audio tidbits that we Sneak in, from, sneak in from time to time. We're also very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. It doesn't need to be very much. Just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big help. And don't forget you can visit with all of us at the Uncontrolled Airspace website. You can read the blog, view the forums, check out the wiki, the aviation movies list, the new ratings, webpage of fame, and more. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, do you had some word of wisdom for us? Well, if you'd like
3: to live and be as old as Jeb or me, Uh, you need to go fly because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye.
0: And that's enough talking. Let's go flying.
1: AMFFN.